As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Athletic Football Show. Welcome to the Athletic Football Show. I'm Robert Mays. Today is Thursday, September 8th. And guys, we did it. The NFL season is here. We are coming to you live on YouTube, which we'll be doing every single Thursday throughout the NFL season. And joining me today, I've got two of, if I could say so, the best football thinkers in our business that our business has to offer. Up first, coming to you in high definition, my good buddy, Nate Tice. Nate, how you doing, bud? I'm doing well. I'm freshly shaven. I, I know I know what this is all about now. Moisturize everything. Just like I said on the pod that came out today is that, yes, I'm going to make sure I look good for all this. No more sloppy showings on this, but thank you for the introduction. I'm so fired up week one. We are here. We made it. Thank God. I'm shiny. I look like Richard Nixon in that, in that debate <laughs> in, the, in the 70s. It's all I'm doing right now. Also joining us this year, which I am thrilled to say he will be doing this every single Thursday with us. The one, the only Deontay Lee. Deontay, how you doing, man? Like Nate, you know, this is definitely first kickoff type of vibes, fresh haircut, you know, got a new camera, a whole new setup. I think I think I look like a professional today. You look more than professional, my friend. You look fantastic. Before we get started with this, a couple quick reminders. Those of you watching on YouTube, hopefully you're subscribed to the channel. This is the first of many different 
YouTube products that we're going to be offering this year. We're going to be doing our Sunday shows live on YouTube. We're going to be doing this show live on YouTube. Our Monday mailbags are going to be live on YouTube. And we have a ton of standalone YouTube content that's going to be coming your way. Some of it is connected to the audio side of the show. Some of it is just YouTube executions that we're trotting out this year. But we're going to be doing a lot of new stuff. So please go subscribe to the channel, which you can obviously do below. If you're listening to this as a podcast, it's in the description. So go get yourself subscribed. You'll be happy that you did. Also, one more bit of housekeeping before we get started here. We are doing a picks pool this year on the Athletic Football Show through Run Your Pool. If you're listening to the pod, it's also in the description. We've got like 1,500 people signed up or creeping up toward 1,500 people. We're going to be laying out our picks, the five games we're picking against the spread, every single Thursday on this show. So please go participate so you can follow along and give us endless amounts of shit as we continue to get these wrong. <laughs> I, I was hovering over all of them this week. I was like, this is going to be a disaster. This is going to be an absolute disaster. None of these look good. I picked five favorites, a bunch of road favorites. I know I know the rules. I know what I should and should not yeah. do. I did not follow any of them as we got started here. So please go sign up because I think we're going to have a really good time doing that this year. I was going to label my my name just Midge's Picks so that way I can kind of like pawn that off. There you go. Plausible deniability. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what I was going for at least. But yeah, but nope, my name's on there. I'm in the pool. It's not win Ben Stein's money. It's win Fanatic gift card but yes it's still gonna be for our prizes that's important yes. to know there are, are prizes $250 fanatics gift card but we're also going to be incorporating people from the pool into the yes. show we've got so many athletic people yes. so please j just go be a part of it you know we're really trying to build a community here and I think that's going to be one of the ways that we're going to have a great time doing that in what is our third season which is kind of crazy to think about at this point all right let's do this so we're going to dig into some games of the week every single week obviously week one is weird you know, there are so many things we don't know, but we did identify a couple games that we're particularly excited about heading into week one. And I want to start with Raiders Chargers because this game already has huge implications. This is going to be a bloodbath every single week in this division. Nate, I think you called it the group of death when we were previewing division last week. And it starts right now. I mean, there's no waiting. This this game is already going to be huge in determining the standings, playoff seating, everything else. So we're getting going real fast here. The Raiders also, the new look Raiders with Josh McDaniels, with Devontae Adams, just so many things to chew into here. And I want to start with that revamped Raiders offense. Nate, what is the number one question you have heading into this game about what that group is going to look like under Josh McDaniels? Yeah, the this is the most firepower McDaniels has had in a few years. And I kind of want to see how he it's uses the first it. time he's had a number one receiver since Randy Moss. Oh right. God, yeah. Right. I know he's been building everything up two, threes and fours and tight ends and all that. He has a good one, Darren Waller, but it's, it's interesting just the, how these pieces fit together. I think they have some really cool puzzle pieces, Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro, and of course, Devontae Adams, really those, that's their three headed monster. I think of their passing attack. I mean, no kidding. But I, I just want to see how they use it. We, we've talked before. They, he signed Jakob Johnson, the fullback, the German fullback, for a reason. He, the last few years how, with Mac Jones and even with Cam Newton, this offense was a lot of understanding. There's a lot of high formation. There's a lot of heavy personnel, 21 personnel, 12. Okay, how do we use that? How do we have Darren Waller in advantageous spots? He's not the greatest uh, blocker. He's okay. But, you know, that's not his game. That's not why he gets paid a lot of money. <laughs> or he should be getting paid a lot of money soon. Uh, but that's not just how they use him. Hunter Renfro is best from the slot. 
all right, how do they get the easy buckets with Devontae Adams as well? Are they going to do it all in the progression of the pass? Is he always going to be the one on the play like he was with the Packers where they moved him around and found the best spot? So I just want to see how they do this. How does he, these puzzle pieces fit together? Because I have become more of a fan of Josh McDaniels and putting together game plans over the last few years than I was maybe five, six, seven years ago. It's like without Tom Brady, I've become more of a Josh McDaniels like appreciator of what he can piece together with uh, what with different parts. But this is why it's so fascinating because we've never seen Josh McDaniels with a player like Devontae Adams. And I think I certainly appreciated a lot of the stuff the Raiders did on offense last year with Hunter Renfro, with Darren Waller. I thought it was a well-constructed offense, the ways they threw the ball out of heavy personnel and the ways they created explosives. But they had a huge, huge hole with outside receivers. Zay Jones was their best outside right. receiver. Now they have the best outside receiver. So you have these two things that on their own, we've liked the certain flavors that they brought to it, but they're so, so different in what they're going to feel like based on the personnel that McDaniels has now and based on the type of receiver that the Raiders have. So Deontay, with all of this uncertainty, we don't know what this is going to look like. Is it going to look right. like Patriots offenses that we've seen over the years? Is Josh McDaniels going to steal some Devontae Adams stuff from the Packers? How much of the Raiders offense last year is going to get incorporated? So with all of those questions, if you're Brandon Staley, how do you even start building your game plan about what this team is going to throw at you in week one? Um, to me, this is kind of like an axiom that exists in defensive football, which is that the more complicated an offense gets, the more simple that you need to be as a defense. So a lot of this, in my mind, is going to center around getting after the quarterback. And that kind of ties into what they've done this offseason in terms of bringing in Khalil Mack to play opposite Joey Bosa. And I think that that opens up the door, not just in terms of run defense, which we've talked about a whole bunch on this show, but getting Staley back to some of the things that I think he likes most on passing downs. And that's showing those bare front looks, covering up every offensive lineman um, and allowing guys to work one on ones um, and attacking the quarterback, seeing if you can manipulate the pocket with different stunts and twists as well. So that to me, I think is going to be the major starting piece. Um, We'll be able to evaluate them on early downs, but I think in the AFC West, we all kind of recognize that second and obvious, third and long, passing situations is what's going to determine who comes out on top in most of these matchups. So I expect to see a lot of five down linemen uh, on the line of scrimmage getting after the quarterback when we get to uh, week one here. I was re-watching the week 18 game earlier today and the amount of Christian Covington that was involved. And those are the sort of improvements for the Chargers yeah. in their front seven that are going to show up in a big way early in this season. So you mentioned the bare fronts, Deontay. I want you to explain to people what that means. When you're looking for a bare front in a game like this, what is the structure of that? Who are the players that are involved and what does it do for you? So it's an odd front. Um, so we're talking, you know, odd front can mean three, four or five, two. So this is more of the five, two esque style of odd front. So you're going to be covering up the center. You'll have two defensive tackles um, outside of both offensive guards and then two edge rushers and what you would call a nine technique. So they're going to be on the absolute edge of the line of scrimmage. And the entire point of doing that is to get those one on ones like we were describing. And then from there, the next layer is you have the ability to run different twists to attack the way the offenses protect against it. Um, Nate has obviously spoken about this, but you get what are called 5-0 looks, which means that the offensive line has to handle the five most dangerous or most likely to be dangerous uh, pass rushers. And now if everybody's covered up, that means that each offensive lineman has a one-on-one -on -one that they have to deal with. And when you get that as a bare front type of rush team, now you can run what are called three-man pass-offs, where you've got two guys slanting in one direction and one guy looping around to the opposite. And the point there, 
here is to try to create enough confusion where the back has to pick up a defensive tackle or you get a free run through from confusion on who has to pick up who as these twists distribute. And when you think about those five one-on-ones, those are the players that the Chargers have now. That's a one-on-one yep. for Joey Bosa. It's a one-on-one for Khalil Mack. And one of those guys is going to be going against Jermaine or Luminor in this game. And this is the first test for this Raiders offensive line. As excited as we're, we are about the skill position talent in Vegas right now, I keep almost trying to say Oakland. I've tried to say it like five different times over the course of this conversation. It's Oakland versus as, San Diego. Yeah. And that's what it is. As excited <laughs> as we are about the pass catchers on this team. And he, I think Derek Carr played really well last year. I'm curious what he's going to look like with McDaniels. But every time I start to go down the road with this group, it's like, oh, man, I just don't know about the line. And it's not like they're going to have to slowly creep into this season before getting really tested. They're going against a team that has spent more on their defense, I believe, than any team in the league this year. The the Chargers looked at the resources available to them because of Justin Herbert's contract and said, we are going to add star power to this defense. We're not going to see J.C. Jackson this week, but we are going to see Khalil Mack. And The Mac part of this, I've said this a few different times on the show over the last few months, but when I was in California at Raiders, at Chargers camp, I asked Brandon Staley, of all the guys you added this year, who gives you the most flexibility? And his answer was Khalil Mack, not because of what he does as a pass rusher, but because Khalil Mack as a run defender allows them to play nickel to everything. And the flexibility that they have now on defense, I'm excited to see what the Chargers look like after making all those moves. And the other big question I have is, and Nate, I'm curious what your thoughts are on this, what is the plan for Devontae Adams? Is he going to be a piece of the Raiders offense or are they going to construct the passing offense around him in the way that the Packers had for multiple years? Because part of the reason they made this deal and part of the reason I think they're excited about this deal is Derek Carr knows Devontae Adams inside and out. And that connection has a chance to really be supercharged because of their shared history together. So how fast can he become the centerpiece for the Raiders that he was for the Packers? Yeah, and McDaniel's passing game so much is almost pure progression left to right reads, right to the left reads, where you're just really truly, if it's play action or if it's a drop back, of course, there's some exceptions to this, but generally. And that is going, okay, we're finding the best option. And when you had a a supercomputer at quarterback for years and years at Tom Brady, the ball usually went to the right spot. And when it didn't, he was just like, ah, screw it, I'll knife that one in there. But that's the thing is – that's great when you have kind of a balanced offense, you know, or a balanced kind of weapons. Now you got an alpha male at a quarterback or a receiver. So that's what the Packers would do is anytime it's third down, they put him in the slot. It was in the red zone, super designer play. Do they do that? It's funny. I he think was always the number one read in the always, progression every single always. time. Yes. And also right. those gimmies that you give him, the one man bubbles, the, the two man bubbles, everything. He would just kind of feed them. They just pepper and pepper and pepper and pepper. And so that's why I'm, I'm curious. Yeah, is that I'm with you. Is that does McDaniels go to, hey, I'm sticking with what's worked for me with maybe lesser talent around or, hey, let's open it up a little bit. Let's get back to some maybe 2009-ish looks. Yeah, with, with Moss, I guess. But also those types of offenses. Um, I'm curious, too. I love that you brought up the 5-0 stuff because with that offensive line, we think of if uh, we think of tackles always with pass protection. That's what our, right. our heads go to. Tackles, tackles, tackles. Those 5-0 looks, you get a, a Khalil Mack or a Joey Bosa on a game, they're working against guards. They're going against yep. centers. They're getting them against different players. And what that does is the offense, if you just have a four down front, okay, we can chip help for the tackles. We can chip help, and, and, uh, or we can have the running back insert through the B gap or the A gap inside the guards and tack or guards and tackles and the guards and center and help, you know, give a little, give a little English in there. 
But if you get a 5-0 look, then it's, okay, who do we chip help? Who do we help? Because all of a sudden that guy at 52, or no, he's not wearing 52 anymore, but Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa, they're going inside. And now we can't really, you know, give that chip help. So he takes that away. So it's, I know, this chess match is going to be fascinating. And what uh, Deontay brought up about, and you brought up, Robert, about Khalil Mack helping him play nickel this whole time, well, this is where Jakob Johnson comes in. Do they say, hey, you're a nickel? We got a fullback in there, and you're going nickel yeah. against us? Here comes ISO lead. Here comes uh, lead draw. We're running it right down your throat. So it's going to be interesting. I think it's a who's who blinks first. Like, I think that's really what this game is as far as personnel usage and as far as what we're trying to do on the game plan. A couple of little personnel things to consider. J.C. Jackson working his way back from that ankle surgery. He's very unlikely to play in this game. So you have a ding to the Chargers cornerback group immediately when they're about to play Devontae Adams. Donald Parham, who has also been missing practice with a hamstring, probably unlikely to play. I thought the Chargers were going to really lean into 12 personnel this year, even with Josh Palmer on the roster. They were eighth in the amount of 12 personnel they used last year. It was about a quarter of their snaps. I thought that number could go up even further. But with Parham out, I think we see a little bit more 11 just because those are their best 11 players. So just a couple things to keep in mind as we get going with this thing. All right, let's get to the other side of the ball here, the Chargers offense against the Raiders defense. You know, The Raiders offense has taken up so much space in my brain as I've thought about this team over the last few months that I've completely neglected the defense every single time I've thought about the Raiders, more than willing to admit it. It's just been a blind spot for me. So Deontay, as we kick off the season here, where are you at with Patrick Graham, him as a defensive coordinator, and just the way that his philosophy kind of fits with the personnel that the Raiders have? Well, it's kind of fascinating. I've, I've probably devoted more time on this mentally than I probably should have. Considering no, some that's, of the not, there's, there's, that's not true at all. That's impossible. <laughs> I watched seven um, Jaguars all 22 games. Jaguars <laughs> offense. So, yeah, you're in a safe, hey, place. You're a safe place. Whole, whole podcast full of sickos. That, that's what I'm hearing. <laughs> um, but to me, it's kind of fascinating. It brings me back to a conversation that I had with uh, Brandon Staley um, at the Combine, right? And one of the things that he really leaned on and that, that made me think about the NFL differently is a quote, a quote that he gave me which as which was in the league you do what you have to do not what you want to do um and i think about patrick graham in that kind of way right his first or in 2020 in new york it was soft zone coverage and we have these monsters on the defensive interior we're just going to let them eat up gaps in the inside leonard williams can win one-on-ones if we can manufacture them for him dexter lawrence is good enough to be able to stay on the field for most downs um and they were able to live that way then in 2021 it's okay offenses know if you're going to play soft zone coverage we're just going to dink and dunk and get a lot of yak yardage because you don't have the best tacklers uh, up the interior. So now it's max pressure. So if the ball's coming out quick, we want to affect the quarterback as much as possible. More fire zones. Um, and, and now looking at this situation in uh, in Las Vegas, I think that he's got to take some of the things that he did last season and kind of copy paste it over. Uh, from what I saw in the preseason, it was a lot of 3D a lot of your typical odd fronts and slanting, um, maybe not to the same degree that Bill Belichick did last year, which is like very old school, three, four, showing you very static and then slant at the absolute last moment. But I think we'll see a decent bit of that. And then when it's time for passes to come, and this is where it's really relevant against the Chargers, we're going to see a lot of cover two shells. We're going to see a lot of soft zone coverage, take away those intermediate throwing windows and trying to force uh, Justin Herbert and the rest of this offense to beat them vertically with guys that we don't consider burners. So that's kind of the game within the game that I'm really fascinated with on that side of the ball. Why do you think their front needs to slant that much? Are you a little bit worried about just the type of bodies they have on the interior being able to stop the run in a more traditional way? 
that and the linebackers, right? Like okay. with the Patriots, I, I think that they were able to play a little bit wider with their defensive tackles because you got guys who are 6'5 and 260 pounds to go take on guards, right? That's just not the case uh, with the Raiders this year. So I think we'll see more of the tight front stuff and then slanting late. So I think probably pretty similar to what we saw to Brandon Staley early in the season last year or was loading up the box, giving those 5-3 looks. You're trying to slant guys just to keep people clean and hoping that you can fit the run with the layer behind the defensive line. So that's kind of what I'm looking at for them. That was basically the way that they played throughout the preseason. Um, and because they don't have man coverage bodies, that takes out some of the classic or, or the invoke stuff that we've seen from the Patriots in terms of their creative bear pressures, where they will walk both backers up outside the guards and run those 5-0 types of games. Um, you take away some of the you know uh, more aggressive two traps that you might see from a Bill Belichick. Those are the types of things that I know that Patrick Graham would like to get to. And if you look at his defense, you can see the skeletons of. But that does require very high IQ and very capable and diverse skill sets on the back end. They just don't have that. So I think we'll see a lot of soft zone coverage uh, to try to get through this game. I was really going to ask you that three deep stuff, just a way to kind of hide those guys on the back end. Exactly. I mean, they just exactly. traded so, their nominally starting corners like two weeks ago. There's a lot of transition happening that happened right. on the back end. I would not be shocked at all if you see some Raiders frustration, Raiders fans frustration, because it might look a little similar on the back end to what they were doing the year prior. <laughs> so when I take that into account, the question marks that the Raiders have on the back end outside of more and pretty much everybody else, including most of the cornerback group. And I'm looking at this Chargers offense, Nate. I want them to be throwing fireballs here from, from day yep. one, from the start of this season. It, I picked the Chargers to win the Super Bowl this morning. I picked Justin Herbert to win the MVP. If that shit is going to happen, if they're going to be that type of team, I want to see it from day one, the first moment they go up against a defense like this. I don't think it has to be that much more complicated than that. I, I agree. I, I know Joe Lombardi wants to do the Sean Payton light offense where, hey, we do this balanced right. run attack, and then we have some nice play action. But, hey, you got to understand what, what you have back there in number 10, right. and you got to understand what the strength of your team is. And that matchup, you're talking about the soft zone. This is the one time where we can actually kind of like call the chargers out on not adding speed and go like okay well you said this is because of this reason that they're gonna play soft zone against you use those big bodies and pin the ball on these big bodies have justin herbert throw rockets over and over and i understand joe lombardi that's not what he wants to do he doesn't want to drop back just straight drop back 30 40 times this is the game to do it though as long as you can hold up and that's right. where the thing is that's where it always comes down to you want to everybody wants to draw lines x's and o's on the paper we look at this pass play always comes down to protection and Rashawn Slater is going to have to hold up one-on-one -on -one against a dude all game. And I think he ha he's he's an elite player. He's an all-pro as a rookie. He truly is an elite player. This is a good test for him, either Chandler Jones or Max Crosby. It's the other side. Trey Pipkins is going to get the chip help. Trey Pipkins is going to get all this. If they do go a four-down look or a three-down look, they're going to slant to his side or slide to his side to help him out. So if we know that, Raiders also know that on defense – that's where the chip up goes. That's where we have to lean. So what are we going to do on the left side? So I think as the Chargers have an answer, they have to understand is this is what we're going to have to do this game, but we better have a very sound protection plan. And we have talked about, it really came down to running backs and tight ends a little bit, but also just injuries along the offensive line that we wanted more verticalness from this offense. This is yep. a great, you're healthy on that up front. So this is a great right. opportunity. Let's see, let's see you open it up a little bit. And that's so much crazy for me. I'm Mr. Run the ball, Wisconsin, Wisconsin bred, not bred, but raised uh, right. offensive line coach as a dad. Let's chuck it. Let's go, baby. As long as you can hold up and you have a good plan, move the pocket a couple times for them, sprint outs, all that, I think that's really what that, how they have to go about this game. 
it really feels like Deontay, the Raiders' chance here on defense is that they still could have an advantage up front with those two guys. Yes. It's an offensive line that I still think I think is pretty good and definitely improved last year. I mean, Pipkins is going to be better, even if you have questions about him, than what they had at right tackle last year. Their right guard situation with Zion Johnson is going to be better. But there's a chance for the Raiders' defense to hang in this game. It's the fact that they built this team from back from front to back. That's right. That defensive line has to carry them in moments like this. I mean, that's that's the whole meta of playing defense in that way, right? If you're a soft zone coverage team, then that is um, kind of necessarily or by necessity saying that the guys up front have to be an added layer of coverage is basically what I say. That's how you force a quarterback to check downs. It's not because you're so great getting your depth. It's because there's not enough time for a quarterback to click from one to two to three, right? It's got to be one to two to check down or one and a half to check down, right? Where if it's not advantage right this second, then I probably need to be looking to double it off as quickly as possible um, and when it works well you know we've seen versions of soft zone coverage work well in fact the Rams just basically won a Super Bowl playing a lot of soft zone coverage and counting on their pass rush to get home um, but it does put a lot of strain on those guys up front so we're going to need to see one of those vintage Chandler Jones games we're going to need to see early season 2021 Max Crosby to open this game to open the season up if they want to get out with, with a win in this one if teams are going to play more soft zone, two high shells against the Chargers over the course of the season, they're going to make them earn it, which I think makes total sense when you think about the pass catching talent that they have. They're going to have to run the ball consistently. And stylistically, yep. it's kind of fascinating how different the Raiders may look this year than they looked last year. Last season, the Giants had the most running plays on defense with five or six guys in the box in the entire league over the court on early downs over the course of the season. It was 157 of them. Not any of the Fangio Staley guys, the Giants with Patrick Graham. 30th, down near the bottom, is our old friend Gus Bradley. 62 of those plays compared to 157 for the Giants. The Giants or the Raiders defense is going to look a lot different in some of those situations this year than it looked a year ago with Gus Bradley and that tried and true cover three approach to this. This game in general. Even the offense still look the same. There's going to be heavy personnel too. So it's like the Raiders Raiders fans are going to go, what the hell? Like what the yeah? What's going on here? Yeah, <laughs> what is this? Right, I, I was I, promised something different. Yeah, I, I, I had Coke and now you give me Diet Coke. This is, what the hell? Right. What, what is this? I absolutely love that we're kicking it off with this game because this division is going to be such a focal point throughout the entire year, and that we have one of these games in Week One to yeah. get it going with a bang is absolutely fantastic. Speaking of, let's get to our next game of the week here: Bucks at Cowboys. I mean, this was the kickoff game from last year. I mean, yep. obviously a huge matchup between the most visible player in the NFL, obvious, arguably against the most visible team in the NFL. Let's start with the Bucks offense against the Cowboys defense. Nate, what are you looking for when the Bucks have the ball in this game? I, I really, the big thing is, are they sticking with their guns? They've had kind of a, it felt, I felt better about the Bucks two months ago. And I know they're going to be end up being okay, but just some O line injuries they've dealt with, you know, obviously losing their center. And now they have Robert Hainsey there. I want to see them stick to their guns. We are a vertical passing attack. We have the, you know, Tom Brady, the all time great back there at quarterback. Had some banged up at receivers. I'm not sure if Godwin is playing, but I want to see them just stick to their guns. Just keep doing what you're doing. If we're in second and long, we're going empty, we're chucking it. I want to see it. Do they not blink? against this pass rush. And really, I want to see, and, and we, we got to talk about this earlier, but Robert Hainsey, the new center, I want to see him communicate with Tom Brady, especially on those third down looks, those passion, passing down looks, when Dan Quinn gets a little more creative. And, and really, he does the 5-0 looks as well. So yep. I want to see him 
communicate, have that little pitcher catcher communication with Tom Brady. It helps having number 12 back there who's seen every look possible, kind of knows he can get them into the right spot. But there's going to be times where it's not perfect. So they have to trust that center to get them into the right, you know, protection call and all that. So really it's more, I just want to see them stick to their guns when they're running the ball. I want to see a little bit of Rashad white, you know, just because, you know, some, some stakes on that, but I, I want to see that kind of get thrown in as well, but really just how much do they stick to this offense that has led them to so much success. And I don't want to see him blink. I don't think they will. I think this is a very confident team and who they have. They have Tom Brady. Obviously, I would be too if he was my quarterback. But I just want to see them do it because it's kind of been a weirdish couple last past couple of weeks. I have to assume that if they're trying to create confusion, it's not necessarily about bringing extra bodies. It's about running more line games than you could possibly imagine. Yes. Because then yes. you're taking the quarterback out of the equation and putting it more on the offensive line to sort through all sure. of that. And Absolutely. that's where the moving pieces are. And we've seen the Cowboys do that. The Cowboys are not afraid to throw a million line games at you, even if they're not necessarily bringing extra pressure. And I have to assume that that's going to be a huge staple of the game plan they bring into this game. That's a great point. So just like, uh, uh, sorry, just like running the ball. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, Deontay, but yeah, just like running the ball is is like, hey, we they talk about how timing is with running the ball. Passing off games is the same thing for offensive yep. line. You have to rep. I have to rep the crap out of it. Hey, yes. they draw the cards when it, it's blitz pickup. Might not be blitz pickup, but hey, we're drawing the cards. Hey, there's this this game. You have to practice this game. Offensive line has to communicate. So if you have guys that haven't, you know, Shaq Mason's new. He's a very smart player. But you get kind of these newer guys, newer bodies. They have to learn how to gel. Just as you, we talked about the run game, same thing for passing off games in the pass game. And it, it's just at a different speed in games. When yeah. you're playing against guys in practice, you're not getting right. ear-holed by the three technique. Yeah, it's right. just an entirely different beast when guys are full, playing full speed, moving with truly bad intentions that they're not on the fifth straight practice in 95-degree heat in Tampa on, like, August right. 13th. Or it's a guy like it's me. very, doing very it. different. Yes. Deontay, this feels for the Cowboys defense like the perfect test of that regression that you and I talked about a couple weeks ago yep. when we had our questions about the defenses in the league pod that we did. This offense with Tom Brady, this group that is going to be coming at them downhill the entire game, we have concerns about what this team might look like on defense if some of those turnovers go away, if some of that chaos goes away. And this feels like the perfect measuring stick to start the season to see where they are on that front. Right. I mean, stylistically, this is the kind of offense that does put the most strain on this kind of defense, right? If you're a quick game type of O, Dan Quinn feels good about that because of those twist games, because of the tight man coverage that he wants to play, because he feels like he's going to be able to affect the quarterback. I'm um, actually, and, and Nate, uh, when you jumped in front on the last point, you actually said what I was going to say. Um, and it's a fascinating piece. It's a fascinating piece of football. And this is something I think that you and I talked about it with some of our uh, colleagues in the offseason, right? Which is that as a defensive guy, if you want to make offenses think about protections the same way that you think about coverage, it is stunts, right? Because you have to work it. Where are your checks? What are your adjustments? What is the front alignment? And how do we have to handle X, Y, and Z? If they present new information, who is responsible for, for that new information? Um, so that that to me is, is what I'm most fascinated by is can you do enough with those bare fronts up front? Um, and will you have enough on the edge that they have to honor in terms of Micah Parsons when he's rushing? 
in terms of Demarcus Lawrence uh, when he's rushing, because that's what I think adds the most value to it is when you have legitimate edge rushers on both sides, because now it's we can't slide. Uh, we might have to keep a tight end in. And if you do that, now you're really playing at an advantage. You don't have to play straight man. You can play more fire zone types of coverage and, and flood some of the zones underneath. That to me is a, that fascinating kind of give and take. And the more of that you can do up front, the easier it is to avoid that coverage uh, production regression, the easier it is to avoid that uh, sack production regression and turnover regression that we saw that we're expecting to see from the Cowboys this year. So yeah, stylistically, this is exactly what I would expect or what I'm using to kind of gauge what to expect of the Cowboys for 2022. Let's get to the other side of the ball here with the Cowboys offense going against the Bucks defense. We saw this game a year ago. We've seen this movie already. Dak threw the ball 58 times. Teams just have not tried to run on the Bucs historically over the last few years. I think the Cowboys yep. gave the ball to their running backs 14 times the last time these two teams played. That's a concern because Dak was limited in practice on Thursday. What a great note on which to start. All we care, The entire optimistic viewpoint about the Cowboys offense this year and why it wouldn't be the same as it was at the end of last season is that Dak would be healthier. So really good. I'm, I'm glad this is where how we're getting going with the season. Nate, this feels like a fever dream for you, though, because – they're going to throw everything on Dak's plate in this game. And that's exactly the type of Cowboys team that I think you want to watch. Uh, yeah. I already put that stank on him. All right. Like our show yesterday. <laughs> and also now he hurts an ankle. He heard the pot. He's like, Oh man, no, my ankle's bomb. Sorry, Nate. I can't do that for you. But I, I think that point you brought up about the run game. That's why it's so important with Dak. Even though not even talk about the offensive line. It's just that Vita Vea is a run game record. And that's what yep. he does. He takes that card away from your hand. Like, that is what he does. So I think with this offense, and this is something I kind of glanced back at the game last year and trying to re-remember what happened in that game, the second half especially, I think the best way you attack a Todd Bowles defense is you have to pass out of heavy personnel, pass out 12, you know, 21. And at first I was, you know, this the limitations of this Cowboys offense is who are the receivers outside CD? Okay, so all right, so we can't bring the receivers. Other than CD? Oh, Tolbert, Jalen Tolbert. You know, Michael Gallup. Yeah, thank you, thank you. There you um, go. Uh, yeah, it's like I scouted or something. But they, uh, but they, but also with this, the the passing out of that is Todd Bowles matches personnel. So if I'm in twelve, he matches with base. He doesn't get yep. the nickel, and you know his looks. They they adjust their front. You know, Shaq Barrett becomes an OLB as opposed to a rushing D end. I know that sounds yep. technical, but that's what happens. So it matters. Know, it matters. And the Cowboys figured that out a little bit as this game went along. They had gotten to like a base personnel, 12 personnel, and that's what I'm calling base, and they went to an empty look out of it, which is not yeah. what you would think out of that. What it does is it makes the defense go, okay, we have heavy personnel in there, and now they have to spread out as well. You make Breaks them it apart. simple. Breaks it apart. You make, you're breaking the wishbone. You're, it makes it simple. And Dalton Schultz is one of the Cowboys' better players, and then now they have his clone, Go Badgers, and Jake Ferguson. So he same type of player. He's a balanced tight end, pretty good receiver, pretty good blocker. Maybe right. they lean into a lot of 12 personnel, and I think that's what's going to help Dak out. At least I, I just – it's going to be – I'm terrified to see him have to chuck it 60 times again or nearly 60 times, but they might have to just because I think this run game gets blown up by Vita Vea, and I just don't think the Cowboys have those dudes outside Zach Martin to really hold up. And you got a rookie starting. I mean, it's just like – Oh, that's a little scary for them. And go that's where I was going to take us here is that if he's going to throw the ball 60 times, Deontay, yeah. you're probably sitting there just licking your chops. Oh, licking your chops. You have to Looking be. at a, a developmental rookie left tackle going up against, even if, you know, the edge, Shaq Barrett's obviously a very good player. Yeah. But to me, it's more about 
the kitchen sink shit that Tom right. Wolf can exactly. throw at this offensive line than it is about right. one personnel or one talent deficient matchup with these two teams. 1000%. Like you said, it's not just Barrett. It's okay. It could be Barrett, but it could also be the weak safety that looks like he's rotating down for cover three. And now he's the edge rusher. The nickel, I think that he's playing, he's playing cover two, but now he's rushing at me. Um, so, you know, and that's a lot to have to take in. And to the point that Nate was making about watching last year, because they couldn't run the ball and it was a credit to Dak, he basically had to get into superhero mode on second and third down. It felt like it was always second and 11, third and nine. And now he's got to navigate the pocket uh, perfectly and be able to drill in you know these tight window throws and he did that excellently but when I think about what ended the Cowboys season last year this is what it sounds like oh maybe we have some troubles personnel wise we might not have all the receivers that we would like to have and we're dealing with the defense that can really get after us in terms of pass rush and they can stop the run well that means hey Dak it's superhero time and you don't want to enter week one under those types of uh, pretenses but this is where they're at so to me if I'm if I'm Todd Bowles my whole thing is if I take away cd lamb if i have a safety over the top of cd lamb and i can just trust my guys to go get after uh dak prescott and some of the youth that they have up front and some of the roster attrition that they're dealing with then we're probably sitting pretty right or at least it's going to be as as ideal a scenario as you can have going into a week one game plan uh, so i'm really fascinated to see like nate was saying what they do with some of those base personnel looks because at least if you're able to get to that you can make bowls a little more static because he's a true like five two defense guy which means that you can really only run certain kinds of coverages out of that structure you have to rotate certain ways and drop certain guys and when you get into those empty looks like nate was describing in five two personnel you kind of have to have automatic checks because you don't want Shaq Barrett dropping out and carrying something up the seam or playing a vertical hook in cover two where you got to be underneath you know a speed guy you know all the way up the field and, and back across the field so that to me is that fascinating kind of personnel game within a game because if they have to l- really lean on 11 personnel and Bowles can get into all those crazy rotational blitzes that he can run I mean that's trouble for any offense e- any even in a ideal scenarios let alone one where you don't have multiple receivers that can punish guys when there are mismatches. You're going to see a lot of Dak pointing this game. Yes. You're going to see a lot of, yep. a lot of, a, ready up. Oh, you're going to see Play a lot clock of going down to one because yes. I got to check that protection two or three a times. Lot, a lot of pointing from Dak. This yep. game. Is, and I, it's fun as, as a sicko. This is, these are the most fun games, especially probably for you, Deontay. And just like watching yep. protection plans against blitzing teams is one of the most fun, like minutia things to watch in football, especially it just is, it's a fun chess match. Because it's games against games, rules against rules, and then it's okay. Here's a freaking curveball you weren't expecting. How right. are your rules? Uh, Todd right. Bowles is going to be a velociraptor checking the fence. That's what it's going to be. <laughs> yes. he's, he's going to be testing each fence. And I love you talked about how it's rolling a safety over CD like that. Him being so far and away their best receiving option. How Todd Bowles gets to every single version of cover two that he runs is one of my favorite <laughs> things to watch about Todd Bowles. It's insanity. So it, it's, man, it could man. be anything. It could be yeah. from anywhere. It could be any dude. And I have to assume we're going to see a decent amount of that in this game. This is a fantastic opening game just as a measuring stick for these teams. Yes. Right. Yep. If the Cowboys want to be a playoff team. All right. You get Tom Brady in week one. And I have not been shy about my doubts and my concerns about where the Cowboys are at right now. And and there's a chance I get a lot of egg on my face when they score 40 against this Bucks defense on Sunday, or it could certainly go the other way. So I'm very much excited about watching this one. All right. Every week here, I'm going to take advantage of the ridiculous expertise that each of you guys have 
on either side of the ball. Deontay, you literally make a defensive game plan every single week in your normal day-to-day life. Nate has had to do a lot of this in his coaching career, just building game plans, figuring out how you want to attack certain teams, certain defenses. So we're going to do that every single week on this show. We're going to make you guys build a game plan on offense and defense for one specific matchup. This week we're doing the Vikings offense against the Packers defense. I wanted to chat about this one for a few different reasons. I think we're really excited just as a general show about the Vikings offense this year and what they're going to do with Kevin O'Connell and what the Packers defense is going to be. But beyond that, Nate, this just feels like an expression of where the league is schematically. You have the McVay tree branching off and that type of offense being just the general way the teams want to approach that side of the ball. And you have the Spangio Staley side of defense being plucked and kind of cross pollinated in the league everywhere. And that's what the Packers have. So this game, I feel like is kind of a microcosm for where the NFL is on offense and defense. And that starts with a Vikings offense that I'm really excited to see exactly what it looks like here in week one. I am too. And that's with this Rams offense that O'Connell's coming from, and you know, he's worked other places as well before that, but his last stop is this offense isn't going to look like last year's Rams offense, which was death by a million empty formations. This is going to be, <laughs> yeah. this is going to be a lot more condensed. This is going to be a lot more tr- the kind of that 2017, 2020 golf offense. And mm-hmm. for good reason, Kirk Cousins is several tiers better than that. But with this offense is you're going against a Packers defense that I think they drafted a linebacker in the first round for a reason. So they want to be more nickel. I'm, I'm assuming yep. the Vikings are going to be a lot more 11 because just they lived in time over the last couple of years. I mean, and that, that's the difference is that most teams are living in nickel. Now the Packers couldn't over the last couple of seasons because yep. they were doing everything in their power to get those linebackers off the field. Yes. Yes, yes exactly. And so, okay, we have a rookie there who can run. I mean, he can run like a deer. He's, he's a crazy athlete. He's a good player, but let's take advantage of his eyes. And how you do that is with motion. How you do that is when I'm running the ball split zone, which is when the tight end crosses the formation and we hand off a zone play that is to affect the second level defender's eyes because it's just eye candy. It's and especially right. the Rams have been geniuses with this, with having a jet motion and then a split zone, and then they'll do other stuff with that off of it. But using that, because take advantage of the young guy uh, linebacker, make the safeties make a lot of plays. And I know the Packers want to live in that world with a lot of light boxes, but make the safeties want to make plays or, or make plays come down, come down, come down. So we're doing split zone. We're doing toss zone. You'll see a lot of that with Dalvin Cook. That's his best run play is where they toss the ball and it's an outside zone. But the thing about that, it's not outside. I'm running to the sideline. It's out. It's stretch and skit north. Stretch. They they want to hit that. They want to make their stuff look like outside zone. They're not running outside zone. It's a lot of mid zone. It's the illusion of outside zone. That's that's what this running game is built on. And that's what it is. And I think that's, again, this is a team. It's a light box team with a, a young linebacker playing that that's what you want to attack. And then getting into the passing game is uh, we're going to talk about a matchup, but I would say going with the play action stuff, all the play action off those run games. I know that's a kind of a no kidding comment coming from a Rams offense and also with Kirk Cousins, but this is how you have to do that. You're putting the safeties in a bind. Now the safeties are the ones that have to go up and down, up and down, up and down. So you now you want Amos and uh, Savage. Okay. They're at nine yards. Okay. They're kind of creating, Hey, we just got, I just got blasted in the face by cook at eight yards. I'm not doing that again. I'm not doing, I'm creeping up. I'm making sure I got full head of steam. That's where you hit him over the top, but that's yep. going to take being patient and sticking with your plan and making sure everything's sound. So I can, and Kirk cousins is not scared to do this. 
I could see Justin Jefferson and KJ Osborne going deep. Uh, you get the alert is live this week. That that was what if I were coaching Kirk Cousins, I'd say, hey, the alert's very, very alive this week. Make sure you throw one or two. You got to keep the safeties honest. That is the whole game plan for the Vikings, keeping the safeties honest more than anything else. This is if there's any proof that this is all cyclical, you talking about that where it's like all right, let's have the safeties creep and creep and creep and then let's hit them over the top. All I'm thinking about is the Packers offense against the Rams defense in the playoffs yep. two years ago. Cause that's exactly yep. the type of thing. So now that all of this stuff is creeping into every single building, you just kind of have that similar feel to how to right. attack these specific types of teams. So Deontay, I mean, if you're going to try to keep the Vikings at a disadvantage in this game, if you're green Bay, if that's the game plan they want to run, what is your mindset walking into this thing? Um, I would say that, it's kind of natural to the Packers approach and the Packers in a lot of ways kind of represent the modern defensive meta, right? Which is we want to play nickel to everything as much as possible. Um, Robert, you, me, and Nate all had a conversation about being versatile with your slot defender. They have that in Russell Douglas, somebody who you can move around and play match And I think a bunch with. of different guys are going to, I think multiple guys are going to play yes. for them. I think they're going to throw different guys at the problem, depending on what the problem is. 100%. And a guy like Russell Douglas, who has some size, some length, you know, is not a light, is not light in the ass. You can play him inside against condensed sets and feel okay, right? It might not always be ideal, but it's not like he's just going to get blown off the ball by a slot. Or, you know, he's not going to be backing away from taking on a block if outside zone is coming his direction. Um, so that to me is fascinating. And then on the back end, we're just talking about playing a lot more of your quote unquote zone, soft zone, really zone match quarters. Um, I would say that the Packers outside of the Bills are probably the team that I enjoy pl uh, watching play quarters the most in the league because of how much they, they're jumping on routes, whether it's an over route crossing the seams or, you know, curls and digs that are coming in, coming in towards the hash or the numbers. They're very, aggressive with that so it does make for a really interesting kind of stylistic give and take in terms of fitting the run out of nickel they have these big body guys they're outside linebackers when they play defensive in look almost like the old school kind of tampa two defensive lines where everybody's 66 270 with long arms we're not winning with speed we're just trying to beat the hell out of tackles you've got kenny clark you've got dean lowry um, you got you got jerron reed you got all these big body guys that can help you um, take on or stop the run um, in theory, but that was not the case for them last year. And now that makes a guy like Quay Walker that much more important, right? If you're going to be a four-two-five nickel defense, but we want to fit everything similarly to how we do out of the three-four, and you're taking one of those defensive linemen off the first level, a Quay Walker and Devondre Campbell have to be able to fit when the ball gets vertical, like you were talking about with those mid-zone plays. And all that eye candy makes you slow down for a step. It's okay. Or where are they attacking? Is it boot? or is it mid zone or is it full outside zone is it toss in personnel the vikings can do some interesting things it can be 20 personnel with darvin ham uh see not darvin ham but with cj ham and it can look like uh, an 11 personnel set i just gave myself away as a southern california guy yes. you about the Lakers. <laughs> um, it can be cj ham in an 11 personnel set and he can run the split zones because he's off the ball anyways right he's not being used like a real tight end but you have to account for the fact that that guy can take off head as a blocker you know that's the whole reason why he's valuable for the Vikings um, so those are the types of uh, I think kind of give and takes in the run game that you're looking at and then it's going to be all about locating where Justin Jefferson is and how do you want to say we've had that. a long conversation here without yep. mentioning one specific all, name 
Exactly. We say all of this and it all comes down to, like Nate saying, for, for all the diagramming and, hey, I want this guy here. Yeah. and We're going to fit it so beautifully like this and play gap and a half and we're rocking back and playing with two high safeties. But then you got to go deal with the guy who's faster than your fastest and can go yeah. make plays in the air that your DBs can't. So yeah. that to me is that that real fascinating kind of what do you want to do from a personnel perspective? Do you want it to be Russell Douglas when Justin Jefferson's in the slot or do you want it to be Jair? And if you do, that kind of changes the way you want to play a guy. If it's Jair, you probably want to play tight coverage, right? Let's not waste our number one corner playing soft coverage on the interior if that's where he's at. Versus Rasul, you probably want to play a little bit softer, give him a little bit more support over the top because of how shifty Jefferson can be. So that it's all so difficult in terms of that give and take. And to Nate's point, the second that you show your hand too often, that's when they get those design shot plays. That's what the whole McVay offense is waiting on, what that Shanahan scheme is waiting on, is for you to show your hand, hey, every time we get in this formation they're doing x or y and the second that we get that look that we want we're going over the top with the sale or a corner post or that home run post or the deep overs with, with those takeoff routes to occupy safeties so that to me those five to six plays where you get those deep pocket play actions and you know that he's looking for jefferson coming across the field how many of those they connect on is going to determine the outcome of this game and Nate, you mentioned when we were talking about this game a little bit earlier that you thought that the more third downs that the Vikings offense had to get to, the more this game played into the Packers' hands. Yeah, 100%. Mike, most offenses, of course, you want to get first down, first and second down. But whatever that denominator is, number is on third downs, you can tell who wins the game. If, I, if this game ends and we see 18, like, third downs that the Vikings face, I, I can tell you the Packers won. Like, it's just like, it's there should be an over 100 number. I'm sure there is on some gambling site. We're all sickos now. Uh, but no, it's when we talk about game records and, and or coaches and players and just in general, we talk about game records or changing the math. We usually talk about that quarterback running. That's what stars do. Like, I, I love Deontay bringing up how, okay, if we do that with this corner, then we have to do it this way. It, it makes those guys think. But just like in the last game we talked about, or a couple of games ago, just talking about, oh, chip help. When you have two dudes rushing the passer, okay, well, now we have every game, every play we put on our game plan, we have to make sure we have accounting for that star. We have to make sure we're accounting for it. And that's where the Packers have some dudes at DB, especially at corner. I really do think yep. they're the best corner pairing in the league. So now, how? okay, if I'm the Vikings, yeah, we have a dude too, but let's make this a little easier on ourselves. So let's get more bunch. Let's get more condensed. Because yep. now we're making them, and, and Deontay would speak to this better, but when you're in a bunch look, defenses have to make a check They most of the time. They have to just go, okay, well, you're in a bunch, okay, box it, you know, or, you know, other terms. Uh, I'll just throw that one out there. Right. But now we can make you more basic. We can make you go, hey, we're in a bunch. They're checking to this. Here comes drive, which is a crosser and a dig. I think Kirk Cousins is going to have to. I don't think you're going to see a lot of balls down the sideline. I think there's going to be a lot of balls over the middle of the field in this yep. game. And I think that's the way that the Vikings have to attack it, especially when you have a dude at Justin Jeff like Justin Jefferson. Let's unlock him just a little bit more. Let's get him the point man and bunch, not just as a blocker. We, we that's what people think is a Cooper Cup role. What really helps with that Cooper Cup role is getting him on the inside and getting him over the middle yep. of these juicy areas. If teams want to play this way, so that's the way to go about it. Make them be not Packers aren't too exotic, but now we're making we're taking another thing away from them that where they might have an advantage. 
Well, to me, that's the most fascinating thing about Justin Jefferson, right, is that you can use him maybe not like Robert Woods as a blocker, but like Robert Woods as a receiver in the McVay offense in terms of all of like those swing motions where you can get the ball to him on screens and create yak opportunities. He can be the guy running the slide route, which is when it looks like split zone, like Nate was talking about. And now he releases out into the flat. And now there's there's no corners covering him. It's a linebacker chasing him out to the flat. And that's a perfect type of situation. And then the fact that he's one of maybe the four or five best route runners, you know, if not top three in the league you can do all the stuff vertically or in the intermediate areas that is going to be something that i will be monitoring a lot early in the season is just how many of those roles that they built out in los angeles with mcveigh that you can say like hey justin you can do that you can do that i can get you four touches of the game this way yeah i think it's truly everything except the to the formation blocking stuff I think yep. every other role we saw a receiver play, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, whoever, over the last couple of years, he can do all of that. And it's not that he can't do the blocking stuff. I think that it's that Cooper Cup is an unhinged person yeah, that wants right. to do that shit <laughs> yes. as a superstar receiver. So everything <laughs> yes. that's not that, I think he'll be able to do. And what I want to see is, what does the prodding look like from the Vikings mm-hmm. offensive staff? And I think you're going to see so many little tiny wrinkles. It's We've, we've discussed this in the past. The DNA of the offense is the same, right? Like the things you theoretically want to do, they share some commonalities. But it's, all right, we're going to go empty out of 21 personnel with C.J. Ham. We're going to put Irv Smith and C.J. Ham as the number ones. And then we're going to see what you do to Justin Jefferson out of that look. How this staff just rolls out shit like that to see what will work and what won't and putting him in advantageous spots, I cannot wait to see what that looks like because now we have a group of coaches that just spent the last season engineering opportunities for a guy who got 190 targets. Now we see that type of mindset being applied to arguably the most talented receiver in the entire league. That's what that Rams offense does is that they, they can make even what you're, or you're you're talking about the, the empty look and Hey, that's what, when we say opening script, opening 15, that's what you're doing. You're going, okay. Okay. Where they play to empty there. Okay. Mm -hmm. Where they play when we went 21. Oh, they, they didn't match it there. Okay. So we can come back to 21. We get them there. Like, that's what you're kind of doing. This Rams offense would always loved. And I think we all do. Now we're talking about the Vikings, but just this Rams offense was all these looks look the same. So they go, okay, jet sweep. Then we fake the jet sweep. Then we run a linebacker on, and then we run a play action, and then we run a screen, doing it at tempo sometimes too. And yeah. it's it's just so as soon you're just it's rock paper scissors. The defense goes, okay, well this looks just oh shit, there goes a, there's there's Justin Jefferson yep. getting a jet sweep going around the side because we just got told we don't have to worry about it. We have to we hey they just hit us with split zone. We got to get north. We got to get downhill, and now oh shoot, now we got tight. That's what they're doing. They're just like you said, they're just poking, prodding. And that's what good offenses do. And I, I think I'm I'm very optimistic that O'Connell took the right lessons. I think he's a very smart coach when I've spoken to him. And I, I just I'm very excited because I think he has the pieces to do what he wants to do. And I think it's gonna be cool. This is an awesome matchup. I'm like sitting here yes. smiling, just thinking about what this is gonna look like on Sunday. I cannot believe the football is back. All right, we got plenty more to talk about from week one. Before we do that, let's take a quick break. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big, juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. People keep asking if I'm back. Yeah, I'm thinking I'm back. So, I love that so much. This, this is the stupidest <laughs> idea we've ever had. All right. We've talked for a few weeks now. I think one of the growing storylines about week one is how many revenge games there are. And this comes up all the time in the NFL. So-and-so has a revenge game this week. You know, this guy's going back to play his former team. Not all revenge games, though, are built the same way. Not all have the same amount of revenge baked in. So what we're going to figure out here is how much revenge is actually in play with all of these games. And we're going to do this on the revenge scale. And there is no better measure here than, to me, the pinnacle of revenge content, and that's John Wick. So each one of these games, we're going to give one out of five wicks for what sort of revenge factor is involved with these matchups. This is truly the stupidest thing we've ever done on this podcast. <laughs> All right. And we gave out a title belt. <laughs> Russell Wilson going back to Seattle. Nate, how many wicks are we giving Russell Wilson going back to play his former team? We are giving them four and a half John Wicks. And I don't know. I think Russ killed Graphic is so dumb. I, I was going to say, we're, yeah, we're, we're almost at a full dead dog situation. Yeah, Russ killed Pete's dog. <laughs> I think that's what happened here. So I don't know if that should go five, but four and a half. Four and a half. I love it. Uh, I, think that's, I think that's very fair. Based on all of the bad blood that seemed to be kind of brewing there by the end and the story that came out on ESPN earlier this week, I, I think that Russ was – this is Russ's chance, Deontay, in my mind, to be like, listen, you thought you made a mistake by cranking the Russ, let Russ cook dial. You did make a mistake trying to scale that back a little bit. This is now my chance to shape the offense, to be the guy, to have this team build everything around me, to make me the focal point. I'm going to show you what you missed out on. Yeah, I mean, that's the gamble, right? That's the whole point of what we're doing is uh, what Russ is looking to do, which is to show I can run the Russ offense. Right. And, and it's my ideas when it works. When the stuff works, it was my ideas. Right. Not not the brain trust of John Schneider, Pete Carroll and, and Russell Wilson and whatever all, insert offensive coordinator that lasts for two seasons before we had <laughs> moved on from. OK, that, that this is all about Russ. Um, and I think that, you know, the he's Seahawks in one of those dispatching spots. of offensive coordinators yes. over the course of the last decade is like OCs and online coaches. Man. It's, it's quite the graveyard, quite the graveyard over there between OCs and online guys. How many uh, but, more bodies from John Wick in the first movie or Seahawks offensive coordinators over Russell Wilson's tenure? Those are the Russian gangsters. Tight margins. Yeah, we're talking tight, <laughs> tight margins there. Um, and I think that from Seattle's perspective, this is also a chance for them to not only kind of tell Russ to shove it, but to, for Pete to also show I'm the one who can evolve here, right? Yeah. That my ideas of evolution, that I can change my franchise on the fly, regardless of what the win-loss record may be for Seattle, because it's not like we expect them to contend for the postseason, but to show that I've got good enough ideas or I can bring guys in that can make this thing go with or without you. So that's that's a big kind of interesting thing is it's not just Russ versus Seattle. In a lot of ways, it's almost like Pete versus Russ and Pete versus the NFL at large. You know, that was something that I wrote about this offseason is 
is he good enough or is he smart enough to bring in the right guys to evolve this thing on the fly? So that that, that makes for two really interesting subplots as we go through this. Well, you got ahead of me because I was going to ask you what your favorite non-revenge subplot of this game was. You already gave me oh, one. Got Nate, what is your, got another. Uh, what's, your, what's your other one? Lay it on me. So my other one would be uh, this is a great opportunity to evaluate those two young tackles because it's it's, Chub, uh, it's Chubb it. and Gregory. Chubb and Gregory versus Lucas and, uh, and Cross. So that to me is – that's the big non-Russ, non-Pete Carroll storyline. This is going to be the first data point we have into whether or not they actually did hit with two rookie tackles uh, coming out of this draft. And if that's the case, then I think almost no matter what the results of this is, Pete can look over at, at Russ and kind of stick his tugs out and say – Hey, we got the thing that you said we could never get while you were here. This is all I've ever wanted in a football podcast. We have a John Wick meter with Keanu Reeves' face on the YouTube, and now we're talking about Abe Lucas content. Like, this is all the stuff I want to hit in what I do in my day-to-day life. Nate, what is your favorite non-revenge subplot of Uh, us going back and playing the Seahawks? It's me stretching to do a victory lap about Charles Cross, but it, it really, that it, really the tackles. I, I want to see. I know it's a joke, and oh, run, see, Pete wants to run the ball. I want to see this run game. I really do. I think Rashad Penny is a. I mean, this isn't crazy. He's a stud. I know they drafted Kenneth Walker. He's been battling to hernia stuff, but Rashad Penny. I, I watched those last couple months when he they let him loose. Oh my God, he is so incredibly talented. Uh, but that is, I just want to see what the Seahawks offense, the non-rust Seahawks offense, and on the flip side, the Broncos. Yeah, I want to see what the Hackett Wilson offense looks like. Yeah, I, I, how much are they? How many ingredients are they giving? Them? Are they truly ready yeah. to cook everything? Like I, I really want to see that. And the last thing, this is more the narrative thing, was last year we were on the spot, Robert, and we were talking about how Russ, Russ didn't demand a trade. His they said if I wanted to be traded, these these were the teams I would like, which is the what was funniest thing ever. And then Rogers kind of threw his hissy fit as well, but they did it in their own ways. And then that ESPN article came, comes out, and they said. Russ was watching the Super Bowl between Mahomes and Brady. And I was like, I knew it. I knew it. They watched that matchup. Those two watched that matchup and go, no, it's our time. It's our time. Yeah. Right? They're saying passing the torch and all. And mm-hmm. that's what happened. And I was, I was sorry. I just had, I was like, confirmed. <laughs> the article confirmed it right there. But I, I want to see these teams. I, I love the new looks for both ones. Just, I, I want to see it. I, I want to check out Geno Smith. I want to see him with this offense when it's not, you know, Bob McAdoo calling up plays for him. Hey, right. and there's one thing that's kind of true of all of us, and that's that watching Tom Brady continue to do this at this age, triggering everybody's midlife crisis. So, so I 100 percent understand from both of these quarterbacks. God, he really is, though. You see that skin? Maybe <laughs> start. I, I, I turned I turned 35 like last week, and I was horrified about the idea of being in high definition on these podcasts, and being 45 and being Tom Brady again. I, we joked about this with Sando. I think my uh, my personal beauty budget is a little bit different than Tom Brady. If, if you get my drift, but all right, <laughs> let's get let's get to our next game here. Baker Mayfield going up against the Cleveland Browns. I don't think there's any question here. This is five out of five wicks for me. Five it's not wicks. like Russ and the Seahawks. You know, obviously it ended bad. You know, you have those moments of bitterness at the end. But what they accomplished together, Russ is going to go into the Hall of Fame wearing a Seahawks helmet. They won a Super right. Bowl together. They were, in a lot of ways, I think, the team of the decade. You know, they have four yes. straight DVOA yeah. championships. And if you ask Seahawks fans, that's what really matters. <laughs> this is not the case with Baker and the Browns. This was something that seemed it's like such a promising marriage early on. We had that those highs of the rookie year. 
the devastating lows of the Freddie Kitchens era. But I still think Baker played well enough to warrant playing out the string in Cleveland. And then everything that has happened over the last nine months and him just being kicked to the curb and now just being shipped away for almost nothing. Everything that happened with Synthony Freeland last week, or he was, I mean, I totally understand him saying that in the moment. That sounds like something Baker Mayfield would say. I do think he wants to fuck them up. There is no bigger revenge game in my mind, Deontay, than what Baker is facing right now going back to Cleveland. Absolutely. I mean, this is truly as sour as it can possibly be on both sides. You know, I think, Robert, you were in Indianapolis with us, and so were you, Nate, and talking to some of the Browns guys. I don't think that there was anybody who felt really bad about the way that the offseason looked like it was going to go before Baker was sent, sent on his way. Um, so that, that to me, is really fascinating, not only just the bad blood that Baker feels, but how the Browns feel about him in return. This is not going to be one of those situations where one side is looking for a gentlemanly handshake and the other one is upset. I, I don't expect there to be very many warm feelings about this at all and I think that actually as it manifests itself on the football field this has a lot of potential for there to be trouble for Baker because I love this Cleveland secondary and I think if Baker goes in thinking that this is hero ball time and time for Baker to show exactly who he is as a quarterback we've got some we've got some potential for some really bad things to happen that's exactly what he's gonna do that's exactly what it's gonna do I he can't help himself this is the same this same guy that was shit talking Kansas in college like right. this is the same guy <laughs> yes. against Kansas. I get spiking the flag against Ohio State, but he was like trying to fight Kansas players. It's like, come on, it's the Jayhawks. It's like he did it with a straight face too. Like so, right. yeah. No, this is his Super Bowl. This is totally Baker's Super Bowl. So I, yeah, no, this has got to be five out of five. I'm sure he hasn't like he just hasn't slept. I'm sure he is so stoked for this game. So I don't know. This is going to be a. Uh, there's going to be some emotions in this game. It's going to be emotional. There are some guys where I want to see them go all John Wick in a revenge game. I want to see them just dispatching the people throughout the entire festivities. Baker is the type of guy where I think his heart rate is going to be a little bit too high. I'm a little bit worried about what that ultimately looks like because my non-revenge subplot in this game, Deontay, is that I want to see what that Brown secondary looks like. I mean, there have been so many conversations about Sean Watson and all of that, and I think that's taken up most of the oxygen as it relates to the Browns, as it should. But that group of players on the back end, the way that they've built that thing, I think they have a chance to be really, really good this year. And I am excited to see what that group looks like in practice on the field together this season. I mean, they can do so much with that personnel. You can play yeah. any covered shell that you want. You can match up however you want to. Um, to Nate's point, I would say that this secondary is probably right up there with that Packers tier in terms of pairs of guys between Ward and Newsom. And you have what you have at safeties, right? You have Greedy Williams, you know, all these guys who are available to you. Um, so I'm really fascinated to see what the priorities are in coverage. How do they want to deploy these guys? How do you want to deploy a Jeremiah, a Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa? What is this shells actually going to look like, especially against a quarterback like Baker, where we know that he really wants to work the ball in the middle of the field. That's what he's most comfortable doing, and they can really squeeze the seams by uh, moving these uh, coverage shelves around. Nate, what is your favorite non-revenge subplot of this game? Uh, what is uh, Icky Aquanu versus Miles Garrett? It's a really good one. Hey, yeah. welcome to the NFL, bud. <laughs> this is what it's going to be like. So I, I want to see that. I want to see how he hangs in there. I, I think it's going to be a little tough for him. So I also want to see how Carolina helps him out. Yeah, I just want to see Baker and his McAdoo offense. I think, uh, yeah, McAdoo looked like in the preseason he wasn't really changing much. Lost slant flats. It looked like the yeah. back was from 2015. 
And so that's going to be a hell of a test. Uh, Hopefully he sprinkles in some play action, help Baker out, make it simple, move that pocket for him. I know the offense line is better at Carolina. It's not good, though. That That's the thing. That's the difference. It's better, but it's not like this elite unit or anything. So you're going to have to help them out. And, yeah, you're trying to I'm, – I'm, I'm, I'm curious how, how you know, gung-ho uh, Baker's going to go. Like, I, I just – that's what I'm curious to watch. And I, I'm excited to see uh, Christian McCaffrey back, too. It's just like kind of like a little subplot. What's yours, Deontay? For me, I think that these two things are kind of tied together. So I well, one will inform the bigger piece, because what I really want to see is what the Browns receiving core looks like, especially when there's a number one corner type, which I think J.C. Horn can be to match up with Damari Cooper. How do you generate real passing offense? And this is all going to be warped because of what we know of this quarterback situation. Right. So who knows how much passing offense are really even comfortable with showing, you know, under percent until until Deshaun Watson becomes available again. But I really want to see do they do they even believe that they have a number two wide receiver on roster based on the way that they call this offense we're going to see a lot of you we're going to see a lot off of that and because of that with what phil snow was able to do when he had when he sees opponents um, that he does not think he has to respect in terms of coverage you get some of the most creative pressure pass off of that old vikings double mug type of looks on passing downs i'm that is what I'm probably going to be watching for more so, even more so than the Baker stuff is, well, do the Browns have a real offense that can contend regardless of who's playing quarterback? And I love what Phil Snow does in terms of generating pressure to heat guys up. So I think we have an, we have an opportunity to see a really impressive defensive showing on both ends of, on both ends uh, this game. I, I love that right. Browns whole line versus the, those blitzes. That's going to be a lot of yeah. fun. Like that, that yes. is third, third down, third new, down Browns are going to be fun. New center. They, they have Houston. Ethan yep. there. I mean, they're in there. I know that's not the center they started the offseason with, so just yep. something to keep right. in mind. Next one here, Flacco and the Ravens. <laughs> I'm going with half a wick. Joe <laughs> Flacco seems like a pretty chill guy. They won a Super Bowl. He made a lot of money. I'm right. not sure how much bad blood there is with Joe Flacco and the Ravens. When he got traded to Denver – as after Lamar Jackson was there, after they drafted Lamar Jackson in the first round, I'm not sure any of us were like, man, they really did Joe Flacco wrong. Right. I can't believe they right. did that to Joe Flacco. I feel like everyone walks away from this and comes back together feeling pretty okay about this situation, Deontay. Yeah, I 100% agree. And I think if there's any one quarterback who can walk in the situation, be like, hey, man, it's cool. It's Joe Flacco in this scenario. Like you said, he got really rich. The Ravens won a Super Bowl with him as a starter. It's one of the most memorable Super Bowl runs from a quarterback that we've had this millennium. Um, and for him as a quarterback of the Jets, there's literally zero expectations. Like he, he could go out here and throw three picks, and I don't think anybody's going to be upset because it's Joe Flacco, man. Like he's just here until Zach is ready to take this thing back over. Um, and to me, you know, one of the things that we know about Joe is that however he feels like throwing the ball that game is what you're going to get. So if he walks out there and says, hey, check downs is all I want to do, you're going to get 21 to 27 for 215 yards and no touchdowns, <laughs> you know, and he might feel like, you know, letting it rip and maybe we get a three interception game. But he's going to look, I think at the end of the at the end of the day, he's going to walk up the field like it's all good no matter what. And I don't think that the Ravens have any reason to be upset considering what they were able to do with the next quarterback after Flacco. Nate, how much money do you think Joe, Mac- Joe Flacco's made in his career? Oh, God. 160? I have no idea. I'm so bad with this. 175 million dollars. Shit, man. If if I were Joe Flacco, I'd be feeling just fine. No bad blood here whatsoever. I'm living my life and I'm feeling really good about it. 
Hey, when Ozzy Ozzy Newsom came down, it's uh, what Ed O said when he was had the buyout. Hey, you know, <laughs> just yeah, show me the door. What time I have to leave? Yeah, right. Right? Like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Michael probably did the exact same thing. He was like, "Oh, what time is my flight? Oh, okay, sounds good." All right, so Deontay, you said that there are no expectations for Joe Flacco in this game, which I think is totally fair. But my non-revenge subplot that I'm tracking is: Are we a little bit weirded out by this Zach Wilson situation? The idea that I went from him maybe playing in week one to Sal being, you know, he's going to be out to week four. I don't want to talk about this anymore. Yeah, I don't know how excited they are to have Zach Wilson back in the lineup. And when Joe Flacco is your starting quarterback, the $175 million man, I don't know what that says about the confidence you have in the guy you drafted second overall, mate. It's, I, it's, I'm curious. I'm very curious because it was literally yesterday, I believe, or two days ago that Sal was like, yeah, we're, we have one more workout, but you know, he's on a good track. And all of a sudden it was like, he's out till week four. And oh, oh okay. That was right. Okay. That, yeah. That's okay. okay you know, all right. Goddamn. Uh, but it's, you know, but I, I'm curious. I want to know. I think the Jets are like, Hey, we got some, we got some decent talent. We got, you know, we got Eli Moore, Corey Davis, Garrett Wilson. Hell, even Braxton Barrios isn't bad. We got right. Carter, Brees Hall. Offensive lines revamped a little bit. Maybe they're just going, hey, could, maybe we could steal some cheapies before before Zach gets healthy here. So I'm curious too, because what if Flacco does have a couple? We've seen him go hot, get hot for three or four weeks before. I mean, it felt like a lifetime ago, but he's done it. It was. So who knows? Yeah, it was like it was ten years ago. Um, yes, not, literally yes. ten years ago. Yeah. yeah. So so who knows? I I think really what it, it's curious. It's very very curious. There is you know. I, I don't want to put you to saying, but it's like there's something going on there. There's something going on in Denmark. You know, Where there's smoke, there's fire. Is that what you're looking why for? Why would they do that? Why? 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 Because it just the flip going from, oh, yeah, he's back this week to, no, it's four weeks without, and then going, and Joe's our starter. Okay, next, what's the next question? Acting like nothing happened. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Deontay, your favorite non revenge subplot of this game. Um, it's all Mike McDonald. Mike McDonald in this defense. What is it actually going to look like? We know that uh, we know that Baltimore kind of lacks the high level edge talent that you would like to have for you know bringing in the three four type of scheme or really just running any NFL defense. So I want to know is you know how do you intimate pass rush because they just don't have guys that are one on one winners. Is it going to be running fire zones like what I know of, what I know of Mike McDonald from his time at Michigan? If I'm to assume that that's what we'll get is a lot of tight quarters, right? Um, trying to mix up some of the coverage shells and trying and trying to force offenses to throw the ball out on the perimeter so if that's what you see and you don't got pass rush in the nfl you usually don't last very long so i'm fascinated to see what the adjustments are back to that conversation of doing what you have to do and not exactly what you want to do yeah. i'm really kind of looking to see what is it that he wants to do with the defense on the back end to make up for the fact that they just don't have high level edge talent or pass rush talent period nate what do you got for me yeah, I, I'm as people listen to this pod, I am high on the on the Ravens, and I just want to see how these young guys step forward. I, I yeah. really do. Not only Rashad Bateman, but just the the rookie center, Tyler Linderbaum, Matt, uh, just Matty Buke, who I'm a fan of. Owa, I, I want to see how these guys get all... in there. We couldn't finish the segment without you mentioning him. I wasn't able to talk about him in the breakout player episode. I finally got him in a month later, so here it is. But no, it's I I, I really just want to see how these well, first off they're healthier. I want to see Ronnie Ronnie Stanley back. I just want to see all these. It's, it's old and new faces kind of thing. I just want to see this all together, how this Ravens team looks close to fully operational. 
Uh, we were not going to include this in this segment until late in this week. But after some of the things that trickled out, the story that Tyler Dunn wrote, some of the comments from him, we have to do Zaria Smith against the Packers. And this went from like a one wick to, to me, three and a half wicks over the course of about two days in one story. The idea that he went to Minnesota so he could play the Packers twice a year, that's what Brett Favre did. Uh, this yeah, is a, right. a lot more animosity here than I might have anticipated, Deontay. I mean, I I just had no idea that it was that salty. I, I thought that the, I thought that the last I thought the last year there was just a matter of like, hey man, I was hurt. It was gonna take me a while, and now that I'm back, I'm just trying to give what I can. I didn't know that there was all this animosity yeah. in the building with Darius Smith, and he does not come across as a guy who invites that. So I'm just I'm. I have to. I'm really interested to see after the game if we get even more context behind exactly what this situation was because I, I'm blown away by what we found out this week. All right, we don't have to dig into the non subplots here. We spent a lot of time talking about this. Game Can I get the Lafour quote though? It was hilarious. Lafour had that M. Bison quote from Street Fighter. He was like, "For me, it was just Tuesday." Like he, he was just. I, I didn't. I, I guess you have to ask him. Like he had no idea what. Like he was like, "Okay." All right, I guess we're I guess we're rivals now. I'm I'll be Packers Vikings, but it was just yeah, I, I know. I think it surprised all of us. And so Don Draper thing, I don't think about you at all. All right. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> so every week on this show, we are introducing a segment that I am very, very excited about. On Sundays, what I have my setup at home is I have a four box on my main TV, I have the bears in a TV on the corner, and I have red zone on another TV. So I have three. I split the main TV into four boxes. And I can never figure out what the fourth game should be. I always struggle to figure out the fourth game. So this year, you guys are going to figure out the fourth game for me. I solicited some of the arguments on Twitter. We're going to, by email, have somebody send them in every single week. I want you guys to convince me why your team should be on the fourth TV. I got some pretty good ones here about the Panthers-Browns game, and that's the one we're going to go with. Matt Aquilza says... This feels like a layup, no? Without discussing any of the on-field storylines, Icky in his first start against Miles Garrett, Brissett starting his first game for a team with a Super Bowl roster, McCaffrey's return, etc. It's Baker Mayfield against his former team. People have been asking, I wonder how Baker's going to play in a revenge game. That seems like something he would care about. We already have the answer. Baker threw for 545 yards and seven touchdowns against Texas Tech while he was in Oklahoma. <laughs> There are going to be fireworks in this game without a doubt. Why would you want to watch Jags, Commanders, or Giants, Titans when you could watch Baker Mayfield throwing flaming daggers into the heart of the entire city of Cleveland? Or he could completely implode and any optimism that us Panthers fans have felt over the last few weeks could be out the window by 2.30 p.m. Eastern. This is why we're doing this segment. I want one of these every single week. As the season continues to go, I want these to be more and more unhinged. So yeah. that's why we're only doing these through email. Only the email submissions will be considered. Matt, thank you very much. Browns, Panthers, fourth screen on that main TV Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern. It's all because of you, buddy. Send Robert nothing but schlock. Just the schlockiest game. I'm into it. I'm ready. I'm ready to jump into the garbage. I, it's not about which game I want to watch. That's off the table. It is whatever yeah. the best argument ends up being, and that was the best one. All right, before we dig into a lot of the mystery and uncertainty surrounding week one's most compelling matchups, we're going to take one more break. 
Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Oh, what's in the box? I was hoping we were going to get that. <laughs> we were, yeah, I was. I was too. I was. I wasn't sure if we had the sound bite or not. So I, was I was not sure excited. we had the clip, but we got yeah, it. Yeah, so, I was pretty excited. Week one, every single year. Is a mystery box. We have no idea what we're going to get from some of these teams. I want to ask you, do you have a favorite like week one memory just that was sprung on you? You were like, holy shit, I was not ready for this. Oh, Randy Moss's first game was. Oh, that's a really good one. That's a very (laughs) good one. And I was, you know, nine years old and I didn't go to the preseason games then. So I had no idea what was going on. And all of a sudden, the hell is 84 this is fun <laughs> yeah so that that's my favorite week one i actually have a couple yeah the uh, packers redid their uh stadium in 2003 and the bike we went in we the vikings went in beat them and then also uh going for two against the saints when i was with the raiders in the superdome so that's a fun week one once don't talk about week 17 though that week one let's <laughs> stick with week one the one that I always remember, Robert Griffin's first game against the Saints, where we just had no idea what it was going to be, and they oh, went yeah. supernova yes. on offense in that game. He threw for 320 yards on 26 attempts, and I was like, what is this? Yeah, what the because hell is that's this? what week one is. And that's the question, Deontay. We have no idea what the hell this is. So we're going to play what's in the mystery box here and run through some of the biggest questions we have and what we want to know about these individual games by the time we end up going to bed on Sunday. We can run through these very quickly. Nate, Patriots-Dolphins, what do you want to know about these teams by the time the game is over? What the fuck are these teams? That, that's <laughs> really, that's really what it's That's why we get paid the big bucks, That's so. it. <laughs> Only know I had. That's all I got. One bullet point. That's all I got. I just want to figure out what the fuck's going on. <laughs> Deontay, what do you got? It's similar. Just what is this Dolphins offense? Like, yeah, is it really going to be the – is it the 21 personnel, Kyle Shanahan stuff? Like, are you going to run RPOs? How yeah. do you generate explosive O? Like, you know, because yeah. I, I, it's – I have a really hard time kind of squaring what I think about Tua Tagovailoa and the Shanahan offense plus the personnel that they have. So I, I'm going to have to see it before I get any kind of conception of what this is supposed to be. I cannot wait. It is, I think, along with the Baltimore defense, the unit I am most curious about heading into this week and what it's going to look like. It's just a fascinating question. Chiefs Cardinals, what do you want to know about these two teams by the time this wraps up, Nate? Uh Chiefs mostly, what is this offense leaning into? Does what's Andy Reid's new stuff? Is it old stuff? Is it new old stuff? Is it old new stuff? Like, I, I just, what are they? And does Andy Reid, you know, forget the siren song of, oh my God, we got to run these RPOs. We got to, you know, keep doing it. Keep, as you go, what, what is he leaning into? So I, I'm really curious. I know it's just week one, things change throughout the season, but I think we, we can see what the Chiefs have been working on the past six ish months. And I'm really curious what happens. 
what happens when you pull Tyreek out of the equation? Yep. We're yep. bullish on it. I'm optimistic about their ability to figure this out. I think that they have the best quarterback on planet Earth, and that's a really that's a good step in the right direction. <laughs> but we still don't know what it's going to look like until we see it on Sunday. So I think that's an easy one. Niners at Bears. Deontay, what do you want to know? For me, I think a lot of this is just going to be uh, what is Trey Lance? I mean, and I'm sure you're going to say this, but like, what is Trey Lance as a quarterback? Why does he fit what in? What is Trey Lance? Then, Question yeah. mark. Yeah, like what? What is this? What is this offense around him too? Right? You, we were just talking about Robert Griffin in, in, in the Shanahan system, right? And coming out and kind of blowing everything up. Obviously, we don't expect them to come in, and nobody's going to be fooled by the zone read in the way that they were uh, in 2012, <laughs> right. or 2011. Um, right. But I'm I'm fascinated by just personnel usage. I think we were talking about this in the NFC West preview, Robert. Uh, you know, Debo Samuel is basically this team's RB two now, like full on because of what they don't have in terms of the depth. Um, how do you use him? How do you use Elijah Mitchell? How are you able to generate, you know, the play action game? There are so many stylistic differences between Jimmy Garoppolo, who's much more of a quick game, deep pocket play action type of quarterback, and uh, Trey Lance, who I think might be best on the move, you know, changing the pocket, giving him some space, maybe shrinking the field in terms of his progressions. That's what I'm fascinated to see is like, it's a whole different page in the Shanahan offense, I think, to unlock what Trey Lance is as a QB so that's what I really want to see how that looks I, I just need to know if this Bears support system the coaching staff this offense is enough to keep Justin Fields alive and to have him <laughs> show tangible growth over the course of this yes season. what do they look like a real big boy NFL offense and has he taken big strides from where he was a year ago I think okay. the answer to that might be yes but I desperately want to know by the time it's 4 p.m here on Sunday and my God, what a defensive line for this old line to have to I, line the same God, I, I am I'm oh so genuinely concerned for Braxton Jones's well-being. I understand why he is the starting left tackle. Yep. I think if it's close between him and 30-something Riley Reed, see what you got in a fifth-round pick. You might as well, because yeah. that's the stage of your franchise that you're in. Right. That that poor kid. I, I mean, wow. this the worst possible first game because I, going against Joey is a miserable because of all the shit that you have to deal with. Nick Bosa is like a matter more violent version of his yes, brother. Yes, it is an and angry version of that. It's just, it's awful. I, I feel truly scared for the man, but I, yes. I hopefully he'll be okay. Jags at Commanders. Nate, I think there's really only one question that matters for you in this game. Trevor, Trevor Lawrence, y'all. That's that's all I that's all, all I care. That's all I care about this game. That's all my only takeaways. Maybe a little curiosity about you know Jahan Dotson and Scary Terry and maybe stop. how the Washington. It, stop, stop. But Trevor Lawrence, that's it. Number 16. Like we said, sicko podcast. Yes, yes. This is it right here. Mainlined. I just want to see good things happen for our guy. I just want to see Please. Doug put him in semi-decent situations as we kick this season off. Steelers at Bengals. I'll I'll handle this one. I want to know what the Matt Canada Mitchell Trubisky experiment looks like. What is this thing? How much crazy motion and bullshit and and just quarterback running around. What does that marriage look like in practice in a real NFL football game? If you had told me five years ago, in 2017, 2017? What year was Mitchell Trubisky drafted? 2017. 17. If you had told me yep. that Dave Mitchell Trubisky was drafted in 2017, that in five years he will be playing for Matt Canada as his offensive coordinator. Right. Amazing. Right. Like truly amazing. So what right. this looks like, I cannot wait to watch it. All right. 
we were going to talk about the Eagles and the Lions a little bit. We are running very, very long here. It's the first time we've done this show, so we're learning on the fly. A game I'm really excited to watch. We're excited about kind of the steps the Lions are taking. I think the Eagles have a really, really good roster. So definitely a game we wanted to chew on. I assume, Nate, because this is a sicko podcast, we will be talking about Eagles-Lions yeah. on Sunday night. So if you're a fan of either of those teams, don't worry. Deontay, maybe you'll want to listen to that, but we will oh, be talking be about that game at some point. <laughs> I'll either be drinking champagne or, or drinking away some <laughs> sorrows, man. It's one, one or the other. There will be drinking happening. <laughs> very, very quickly. Thursday night, Bills, Rams, defending champs, opening up at home. On, God, it's on Amazon Prime. This is a good reminder for everybody. We're, this is a, we're serving the listeners here. Oh, thank you. The game is on Amazon Prime it. tonight. Turn it on there a half go. hour early. Make sure you have this game. Yeah. Yes. Hey, one thing you're looking for in this game. I want to see how the Bills, kind of what the new wrinkles for this Bills offense, what are they leaning, not so much leaning into, but what uh, how have they polished their attack? I think that's the best way with a new offense coordinator, taking some lumps last year. What's this new kind of 1.5 version, I guess, of this offense? That's what I'm really curious to see. One thing you're watching tonight, Deontay. Um, we've been talking all offseason about how teams might approach the quote-unquote unblitzable quarterback or unblitzable offenses. This is going to be a major data point in that way. You know, how are the Bills going to adjust? They've got the firepower not only up front but in coverage to handle a lot of what McVay likes in terms of the empty stuff and taking deep shots down the field. So this is going to be one of those narrative builders, not just for both these teams, but for whatever the league-wide narrative offensively and defensively is going to be. So that's our first look at that. I love that narrative builder. This, that's exactly what it is. That's awesome. All right. Every week to wrap up this show, we are going to do a segment about our picks from our picks pool. Like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, run your pool. It is in the description of this podcast. Please go check it out. I've been tweeting about it. Go join the pool. We've got like 1,500 people involved so far. I think almost by the time we get to Sunday, we may get there. You can start and sign up as quickly as Sunday. Deontay, we're going to say goodbye to you right now, but you will be back next week around the same time. Really excited to do this all year with you, buddy. Yes, man. Can't wait to be back next week. Let's see, bud. Oh, look at that. Bella just kicks him out. Just he's, he's like, my time. <laughs> and we can't hear you. You kicked Deontay out and your mic is not even on. I've you been, should be embarrassed. I've been sitting here for 90 minutes. I'm going to take these glasses off and get serious because I'm ready to talk a little bit. Bit. what's up guys it's been a great show hi hello there good to Bella, see you. i'm teeing you up you are going to be involved in our pick segment you have a rich and storied history doing <laughs> gambling content and podcasts you are also hosting a gambling show for us on the apple plus feed every sunday tell the people about us on the board before we dig into this yeah check us out every sunday it will be me and austin mock who is our senior gambling writer here at the athletic this will be found on apple plus you can also find it on the athletic app so a great reminder to go sign up and subscribe to the athletic if you haven't already theathletic.com slash football show we'll be just doing uh running through uh five six seven three whatever however many picks we like Austin and I are going to get through, tell you why we like him, back him up with some real hard data, and then get ready for the football day ahead. All right, we're here. I I talked about this a little bit already on the show. I'm terrified of how this is going to go. I, I have not <laughs> bet on football really in my life for a few different reasons. Ethically, it's kind of a sketchy gray area, so that's, that's why I don't as somebody who covers the league. The other thing is every single time I look at a line, I'm like, that seems right. And every single one I looked at among this group, except one exception, which we can talk about, I didn't feel good about any of these. Nate, 
why don't you kick us off here? We're going to have to run through these quicker this week than we will in other weeks because of how long the rest of the show ran. But give me your five picks that you have this week. My favorite one, and this is this was what it was on our pool, which was Chiefs minus three and a half at the Cardinals. So I'll be giving the pool odds because it's yep. kind of super contest rules. We're going to give the pool odds. They lock on Tuesday for yes, what it's thank like. you. That is so, up to yes. like five and a half, six if you're actually betting it somewhere today. Thank you. So, but Chiefs minus three and a half for this at the Cardinals. Even at six, I like it. Uh, next one, I like the Falcons plus five and a half hosting hosting the Saints. I'm taking a lot of home, uh, home dogs other than the Chiefs there. Other than that, I like the Jags plus three and a half at the Commanders. Why not? Why not? That's my narrative. Let's, let's go with it. Let's actually bet on it. Also, I switched this one late. Another home dog. Vikings plus one and a half hosting the Packers. That's more, I think it's going to be a tight game. I think it's going to be a back and forth game. I'm really excited to watch that game. Really, that's the one I've circled and highlighted. And then the last one, it's Monday night. It's the revenge game for, I don't know who, Pete and Russ, or I guess it's the Velvet Revolution of, of revenge games. I don't know what yeah, it is. Yeah, thank you. Hey, we got the John Wick graphic. <laughs> I have the Seahawks, though, at plus six and a half, I believe it was, hosting the Broncos. And I want in real life, I'll just tell you, I want to see that get up to seven because I also think like 97% of the action so far is on the Broncos. Come on, Vegas, bump it up to seven, and then I will put real money on that one. But yes, those are my That five. seems pretty high. I, I wasn't going to touch that one. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. This is going to be terrible. I have five favorites, which I know is wrong. Oh, boy. And I have a bunch of road favorites, which I know is wrong. So here we go. There's a lot of there's a lot of road favorite options this week. There are a lot of road favorites, so it's not as if I was picking them on purpose. I think a lot of just the favorites, period, are on the road this week. But I just I don't know, man. A lot of the I just it was hard for me to bet on the Giants. I have so many questions about that. I have no idea what the Jags are going to look like. Although Jags plus three and a half, I do think is an interesting bet. All right, I have the Eagles minus four and a half, even though they're on the road at the, at the Lions. I just think this Eagles team is really good. You know, we saw what they did against this team last year. They kind of tapped into the formula. They rode all the way through the end of the season. So I have the Eagles minus four and a half. That's my sister. Char- so yeah, I like yeah. I lo- that yeah. one spoke to me. I have yeah. the Chargers minus three and a half. You know, the, the, uh, barely a home favorite. I think the Chargers are a better team than the Raiders. Uh, the continuity they're riding uh, into this season, especially on offense, is, is pretty big advantage here in week one. I have the Packers. Minus one and a half Love it. against Ooh. the Lions. So we're on the opposite Vikings. side of that. I'm very excited that against, excuse me, against the Vikings. So we're on the opposite side of that. I also have the Chiefs minus three and a half, which feels cheap. Yeah. And I have the Bucks minus okay. one and a half against the Cowboys. So we've got a couple similarities here. We'll see how this ends up playing out. Bella, what do you got for me? Decent amount of overlap, you guys. So uh, I don't know exactly how to take that. I actually share two picks with both of you. The picks I share with Nate. Totally with you on the Jags against the Commanders, plus three and a half. Really like that one. I think the Jags go in there and get a straight-up victory. I've also got the Vikings, plus one and a half against the Packers. Bet on the Vikings to win the NFC North at plus 250. Uh, We've been talking about it, or you guys have been talking about it a ton on the pod over these last few weeks. Very excited to see what that offense can do all season, and they get a nice test against Green Bay in week one at home. Share two with you as well, Robert. I'm on the Chargers, minus three and a half against the Raiders. I am also on the Bucks minus one and a half at the Cowboys. Love those tiny spreads when you feel better, just uh, comfortably better about yeah. one team than the other because basically – That was exactly about, what I was thinking. Right, about the Bucks going in and winning that game, and I just feel like you know, for, for all the talk that we've had this offseason, they're still the better team regardless of where this game is being played. So the one unique pick that I bring to this one – Give me the Giants, you guys. Plus six and a half against the Titans. I think this is the game. We have all these road favorites this week. We're talking about how it's just set up to be a survivor bloodbath this week. I think this is the one that does it. The Giants maybe pull off an upset against the Titans. 
you guys talked about this a ton also, this Titans team. Like, how can you possibly feel good about them going into the season? I think the Giants at least stay within the, the number here and maybe, just maybe, give us a survivor bloodbath and pull off an upset. Love the angle. He's got that, that Brian Dable energy. New coach, yes. not Joe Judge, is the most important part right. of this equation for the Giants, <laughs> which I totally understand. All right, right, we will chew on these a little bit more as we get deeper into the season, as we have some – I don't know, some contours of how well or poorly this is going for all of us. Week one, we're an hour and 40 minutes into this. We wanted to run through these pretty quickly. A reminder to everybody, please, if you have not, subscribe to the YouTube channel along with this Friday or, excuse me, Thursday preview every week. Our Sunday night recap show and our Monday mailbag shows are going to be on YouTube this year. We're going to be doing a ton of standalone YouTube content starting on Monday, right, Nate? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're, we're it's rolling. So get in, do that right now. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel. We're going to have some YouTube stuff early in the week that is tied to our Sunday night show. I know that a lot of people have said in the past, I wish I could see some of the stuff that you guys are talking about. Yeah. Guess what? They make cameras. So <laughs> we're going to try a little bit of that. Hopefully give you guys a little bit of a richer experience with the yes. audio version of this show. We're going to start trotting that out on Monday. So please subscribe to the YouTube channel. Also, Join the Picks Pool. You still can. No matter if you're listening to this on Friday, Saturday, all the way up to kickoff on Sunday, you guys can join the pool, run your pool. Description of this podcast, the link is in there. You can find it on Twitter, a bunch of different places. It's in the comments. Oh, is it going to be comments on, on YouTube. It's in the comments on YouTube as well. In the comments on so YouTube please still watching. Go check that out. It is going to be really fun. We're getting up toward 1,500 people. It's going to be a really good group. We're going to have a great time. For now, that's all we got, man. We got kickoff in like two and a half hours. This is wild. It's all we got. All we got. It's all we got. It's football <laughs> season here. Now this is all I got. Very <laughs> excited to spend this season with you guys. I talked about it a little bit earlier today on Twitter. Uh, it is not lost on me how lucky we are to do this. And for all the support that you guys have given us in our first two years, I truly think that year three is going to be the best one that we've ever had. That is because of you guys. And that's such a huge reason why we're able to do this. So thank you very, very much. Very excited for kickoff. Very excited about spending the season with you guys. We will be back tonight after Rams Bills. Until then, appreciate you guys listening. We'll talk to you soon. This was The Athletic Football Show.